Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection with us and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us talking, get us thinking, get us out there doing something about it. And we do that because we've made that connection. So as you know, our show is really all about ideas, and we're the only country in the world that was founded on an idea, an idea of equality. We hold these truths to be self-evident that we are created equal, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, that amongst these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights— Governments are instituted to derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's us. We need to be consenting to our leaders and endorsing and voting for our leaders. And we have a responsibility in our democracy to build the community that we want. We want people who will tell us the truth, that are approachable, that get things done, that listen to us and help us understand and represent us. So I'm going to be encouraging you throughout the show to be thinking about voting. The guests I have today may not be in your district, but my guess is is that you know someone that does live in their district. So listen hard because you're going to be telling your friends about these people that are great. They are each extraordinary and deserving of their community vote. They're women who know how to get things done. They also know a thing or two about fighting for equality. And if we are a country that is about equality and all of us are created equal, these are great equalizers to help make important things happen in our community. So we'll be talking about the economy. We'll be talking about public safety, reproductive rights, education. And I'm pleased to have join us on our show today women who are running for Minnesota state representatives, representation, and who will be representatives. They are Caitlin Cahill, who's running for District 37A, Bonnie Westland, who's running for District 42, and current representative, Patty Acom, who is running for District 45B. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So what I'd love to do is start us off with is have each of you go around, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I was hearing some wonderful door knocking stories. And this is the time of year where you're going to be seeing people out there door knocking, especially in these last 10 days, we're going to be door knocking. So I'd love to hear just a great story about that, as well as who you are. My, my listeners love to get to know people and your story. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to start with Representative Patty Acom. Well, good morning, Lori, and thank you so much for having me this morning. I'm Representative Patty Acom, running for re-election for House District 45B. And I will say, you know, I was born in Minnetonka, uh, graduated from Hopkins High School. My husband and I decided to come back to this community when our kids were starting school because it was such a great, it is such a great place to um, raise a family. Uh, My kids are now graduating from college, and so I've lived in this community a long time. I I feel like I was raised by this community, and I'm honored to be representing this community in the the state legislature. Um, My background is in natural resources. I'm a wildlife biologist, and so the environment is so important to me, and protecting it for future generations is, is one of the things I work on most at the Capitol. 
Um, so that's, you know, a little bit about me. We'll get into some of these important topics. But as a door-knocking story, I will say that one of my favorites that um, happened just recently came when I was knocking on a door, and this gentleman shared with me that he was an immigrant to the United States, and he has lived in many countries around the world. And never before has he had an elected representative knock on his door and ask him his opinion and talk to him about his ideas. And so it, he said, I'm just um, blown away by this. And he was, he just felt so honored that um, somebody would take the time to do that. And it made me really realize this is why I do this work. This is why this is important. So that uh, hit home for me and keeps me going in these last days. Wonderful. Caitlin Cahill, District 37A, and full disclosure, I live in your district. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no pressure having a voter interview me, uh, but thank you. Um, door knocking, exactly that, you know, interviewing every day. So uh, like Patty, I grew up in the area. I grew up in Plymouth, um, and I actually headed off to D.C. intent on pursuing a career in public policy. Um, but it took about one semester of D.C. politics to completely turn me away from politics, um, and instead I went into IT for our local schools. I'm currently a small business owner. I run my IT business um, in Maple Plain, where I'm also a city council member. And working at the local level really kind of restored my faith in that we can actually do good work when we kind of take out that partisan extremism. Um, and so my good door-knocking story is I met a woman this uh, week who had never voted before due to a felony conviction. And she asked me, she said, do you think I should vote? And of course, I said, absolutely. Um, we talked about some of the things that she was concerned about and things that mattered to her and how that she could affect those things by voicing her opinion for representatives that would match those values. Um, so whether you're a new voter or been voting for decades, um, every election's important up and down the ballot. And Bonnie Westland, District 42. That is right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Senate District 42 includes Plymouth, um, one precinct in southwest Maple Grove in the beautiful city of Medicine Lake. Um, so I, I've been a single mother most of my adult life. I have two wonderful um, adult children. I have two grandchildren who are the apple of my eye. Um, and I actually became involved in politics when I was 17. I went to my first precinct caucus. And sitting in a room full of people who were there spending the night talking about the issues of the day just really um, showed me that our, we matter um, in forming the government that we want. I am an attorney and a mediator. I do family law. I spend my days trying to help people come together and resolve their problems in an amicable way um, that involves compromise and, and seeing problems creatively and coming up with creative solutions. Um, I have uh, put myself through law school. I have the student loans to show it. Um, and um, I guess the, my, my door-knocking story, I think, that is sort of emblematic of what I've just shared is that I knocked on the door of a gentleman who said, well, I usually vote Republican. We had a lovely conversation. He asked me questions. And he said, you know, you are actually the first person that's ever knocked on my door. Nobody had ever knocked on his door before. No candidate had before. And at the close of the conversation, I just said, well, I appreciate the fact that you and I have been able to talk about these issues and that we may disagree on some of them, but we've had a fruitful, friendly, civil conversation. Let's have more of that. And I think the world is hungry for that. And it starts in the community. It starts being able to do it at a doorstep and, and connect. And of course, I love connections. But it's a deeper connection that allows people to feel trust and to take risks and to believe 
and to make their choice for who they best feel represents who they are. And it may be a different party. I think we have quite a few Republicans that are listening deeply to what Democrats have to say because there's a reasonableness. There's a business sense. Caitlin, tell us your communities that um, you are running for. So I am running um, in 37A, which is it runs from the western part of Maple Grove, so west of 94, all the way down through Medina and Loretto, Maple Plain, Independence, um, and then also up through Greenfield and Corcoran. And um, Patty? I know you've got Wyzetta and down. <laughs> right, right. We, um, I'll be representing the northern part of Minnetonka, Highway 7 and north, um, Wyzetta, Woodland, Deep Haven, and a little sliver of Shorewood. So if you know people, and I know you do, in these communities, let them know about these wonderful women that are running for our state representatives. Representatives. I don't know why I'm having hard with that time with that word today. Anyway, economy. That's the thing that we're hearing a lot about. We went through a pandemic. The world shut down. Uh, but we've got jobs. We've got incredible jobs out there. Uh, Minnesota is strong. We had a surplus because we're strong. And uh, great kudos to Governor Waltz that navigated through this craziness. But it's a question that comes up a lot. Uh, and Patty, I'd love to have you start off the conversation about what you think is most important in looking at our economy. Sure. I think this this is such an important issue and impacts all of us. And I hear about it a lot in um, talking with voters and with people in the community. And we're all feeling it, whether it's at the grocery store, the gas station, or our utility bills. We are feeling the, the impacts of higher costs on our, on our um, personal budgets. And so while oftentimes these costs are impacted by glo- our global economy, Minnesota is really sitting in a great place to be able to help respond to people's needs. And so, um, you know, you talked about the surplus, Lori, and we are fortunate in Minnesota to be having this surplus. And I was really proud to be um, supportive of the um, budget framework that um, Governor Walls, um, Speaker Hortman, as well as Majority Leader um, Jeremy Miller all agreed upon to put $4 billion towards tax cuts, including eliminating um, tax on Social Security, providing property tax relief, renter's credits, and child care, um, providing um, investments in important things that impact really all of us around um, education, um, health and human services, including long-term care, and um, also providing um, additional funding to public safety, and then leaving some on the bottom line, knowing that we don't know what's going on in the economy and that we need to be prepared to be able to continue to help people as we move forward. And thank you for your service in helping to make those things happen, State Representative. Well, it's it's certainly been a pleasure, and there's so much important work yet to do. Caitlin, I know you have some strong feelings as well. You know, we see families who are having their personal finances impacted by these high prices. Um, but we're not seeing is the large corporations being held responsible for their role in these raising prices. So we're coming to see that, you know, there was just a report released uh, yesterday in the Star Tribune showing how our gas companies have made record-breaking profits in the billions. Um, we've had CEOs on shareholder calls saying that people are primed for these price increases due to the pandemic because there were, sh- you know, supply shortages. Um, so they're taking advantage of our families right now and raising prices faster than their own costs are raising. And so we have to be able to pass legislation to make sure that um, these our largest corporations are responsible um, and keep costs and down for our their, family and paying their fair share, paying too. their fair share and keeping yep. the cost. Gouging is not fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it affects our smallest businesses, too. So. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Bonnie, what, what's your take on the economy? 
Well, you know, I think it encompasses a lot of things. And so as we need to be looking at how we can reduce costs and reduce prices for our working people and our working family in our state, um, part of that is looking at how we can um, have affordable health care. Right now, I'm a small business owner, so I have to buy insurance in the marketplace, and it, it ain't cheap. Uh, and I just got the, the uh, bill for what it will be next year, and it's going up, you know, $70 a month for for um, health insurance. We have people rationing health insurance, um, self-rationing, because they are afraid of what the doctor bill and will be. And that can be disastrous. It can be, I, I know people that have tried to reduce their insulin, yep. thinking it'll go longer. I mean, that that's just reducing yep. your lifespan. So we need affordable health care. We need to have livable wages. We need to make sure that people have affordable child care. People can't go to work and do their job and earn a living if they don't have um, an affordable and safe place to put their kids. And we need to make sure we're paying our child care workers an appropriate um, salary as well. So, you know, all it's all of these things go into having a thriving economy that works for everyone, white, black, or brown. I think sometimes what happens is get reduced down to the price of milk. An economy is so much more complicated than the price of milk. And the price of milk is complicated. <laughs> so it it is something that we're aware of. There's inflation, but we've weathered inflation before in this country, and we've weathered inflation in a much tougher place. I'm very proud that we have as many people working that we do, and we have not had that. And I appreciate all of your strong efforts uh, to build our economy. Um, women do a good job with that. We, we like to make sure that, that our community is thriving, and I think you all have wonderful ideas to help make that happen. I do have to go to break, but I want to let to let our listeners know that we're going to continue this conversation. Um, we'll be talking about public safety in the next seg- uh, segment. Uh, we m- may get to another one, but I think public safety will be the primary focus in, in our next segment. So stay with us. We'll be right back after just a few short commercials. This show was paid for by Congressional District 3 DFL. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And today we are having the privilege to meet with tremendous women who are running for state representatives. This show was paid for by Congressional District 3 DFL, and we're very appreciative of their support. Uh, the three women that I have today are going to introduce themselves and the areas that um, that they will be serving. Uh, we'll start with Representative Patty Acom. Hi, Representative Patty Acom here, um, running to represent uh, the northern half of Minnetonka, Wyzetta, Woodland, Deephaven, and a little bit of Shorewood. And Caitlin Cahill. Um, I'm running for 37A, which is Greenfield, Corcoran, uh, the western part of Maple Grove, Medina, Loretto, Maple Plain, Independence. And Bonnie Westland. I am running for state senate in Senate District 42, which is Plymouth, and one precinct in Maple Grove, and the beautiful city of City uh, Medicine Lake. <laughs> We've had a great conversation last segment. They shared a little bit about some great door-knocking stories, as well as how we can look at the economy and what changes we can make and what support we can do to continue the good work that Minnesota is doing to create a strong and vibrant community. Let's talk about public safety. Um, everyone deserves to feel safe. Bonnie, I'd love to have you lead off uh, on your ideas on why and how this is important and and what you see as ways to help make um, our community safer. Absolutely. And um, I know my colleagues here will be discussing uh, various points of this as well. I think it's just important 
uh, that we understand there's a difference between talking about public safety and doing something about it. One of the things that we should be doing something about is gun violence. And I have been active in the gun violence prevention community for many years. Um, my best friend died by suicide in 1991. Um, and had access to not just one gun, but over the course of, you know, a period of a few years, he was able to access two guns, um, and one of which he used to take his life. We know for a fact that extreme risk protection orders are helpful. We just saw what happened in St. Louis. This young man um, was denied an AR-15, but then he was able to get it um, without a background check from a private um, sale. Uh, we know that expanded background checks help. And so while those two things are not necessarily the be-all, end-all, it's not going to end all gun violence, we know that states that have adopted those things have seen significant reductions in gun violence and um, gun deaths. And we know that states that have no laws, the, the open carry and some of the other things, have some of the highest levels of gun violence. And so this is absolutely something we can do something about, we should do something about. But this is a situation where good bills go to die in the Senate. We know that these measures have come up in the past, and the Republican Senate won't even give hearing to them. So it's very important. Patty. Well, I will say, as a member of the DFL House, we um, strongly supported those provisions, and I was proud to to be able to to, to vote for them. Um, as a um, current member of the House and a former member of the Minnetonka City Council, I think it's really important, both at the local and the state level, that we fully fund our public safety. And in order to do that, um, we do need to take action, and we need to ensure our law enforcement officers have the tools and training they need to be able to respond to calls today. And um, you know, I will say, um, along with um, voting to um, support gun violence prevention in the Minnesota, in the DFL-controlled Minnesota House, um, we recognize the importance of public safety and that our communities need to respond that respond to that. So, in this past session, we passed a bill off the House floor that would give an additional $100 million to local community um, public safety um, all around the state. And I will say that not one Republican voted to support that bill, to add $100 million over base to our communities and allowing those communities to use that money in the way that best supported those communities, not dictating how it was to be used, but to allow for local control. And so I think that, um, you know, I'm disappointed that didn't pass. I was hopeful that there would potentially be a special session um, this summer. Unfortunately, that didn't come to happen either. So I don't know if it was party politics that was getting in the way of this or what, but when we, um, when we talk about community safety and public safety, we need to, we need to be able to um, take actions that will actually um, put the tools in, in the hands of, of communities and officers to be able to provide it as well. So I'm proud to have been able to support that. Caitlin. You know, a lot of the conversation around public safety centers around law enforcement, which is an important part of the conversation. Um, we definitely need intervention through community policing as well as accountability for people who do commit crimes. Uh, but trying to reduce crime um, through sentencing and accountability is like going to the ER for stage four cancer. Mm -hmm. It's too late and it's the wrong treatment. Um, if we actually want to reduce crime, we have to prevent crime. Most crimes we have come from um, economic insecurity. So people, for example, we've had people stealing baby formula because it's too expensive. You know, we have people who can't afford rent and so they live on the streets and then they have to, you know, they can't get a job and so then they have to, you know, do different um, things. And so by supporting people, that's how we prevent crime. So yes, um, policing is important. Yes, accountability is important, but let's look at how we prevent crime in the first place. 
prevention so it doesn't escalate. Yes. Um, because mm-hmm. we do know that there can be, once a crime is committed, it can escalate to the next and the next. Absolutely. Yep. And we also know it's important to get guns off the street. And we also know it's important to invest in our community so that the community can make the best decisions for their own public safety. Good women with good ideas. We will take a break. Again, many thanks to our Congressional District 3 DFL that paid for this show. Uh, We appreciate their support, and we appreciate these women coming and sharing great ideas to make a difference. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. Our show today was paid for by the Congressional District 3DFL, and we are bringing together three wonderful, strong women leaders who are talking about how to make a difference in our community and how our vote can help make their work possible. And I am asking for your vote for each of these. Now, you may say to yourself, well, I don't live in that district. My guess is that you do know someone who does live in their district. And I ask you to take notes on what they have to say and share with those voters about how important these women are to be in our state representatives, to be our state representatives. I'm going to start with Representative Patty Acom. Share with us what communities that you will be serving. Minnetonka, Wyzetta, Deep Haven, Woodland, and a little bit of Shorewood. Bonnie Westland, what communities will you be serving? This will be uh, Senate District 42, and it is Plymouth, Maple Grove, and Medicine Lake. Caitlin Cahill. I'm running in House District 37A, which is the western part of Maple Grove, Medina, Independence, Loretto, uh, Maple Plain, Greenfield, and Corcoran. We're going to talk about reproductive rights in this segment. We all have the right to make our own health decisions, but that could be in jeopardy. And I would love to hear each of your points of view about how we can make this real and powerful and change the course to make sure that all of us have the right to make our own health choices. And I'm going to start with Caitlin. Well, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, obviously abortion rights have been a huge topic this year. And it may seem like a pretty narrow topic, um, but when you think about it, the right to control our own bodies is actually our most fundamental freedom. It's just being able to control um, who we are and what we do. And so I think reproductive freedom is just that. It's about bodily autonomy and the right to make our own medical decisions. It's about um, our choice to control our own bodies. And so it's much larger than just abortion care, but abortion care in and of itself is also very important. Um, And some will say that, well, it's not an issue in Minnesota because it's protected um, constitutionally, but it's actually not anywhere in the constitution. It's protected by case law, uh, Doe v. Gomez, just like Roe v. Wade was. So it could be overturned just as easily. Bonnie, tell me what you think. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, I think the Republicans have been very transparent about their intentions, although they have tried to be less transparent during this campaign cycle. Um, but it is in uh, their their GOP platform, their intention is to ban abortions in Minnesota. Um, so we should be very clear about that. Um, and it's been their intention for decades. Mm-hmm. They uh, have had a strategy that um, they have followed with precision. Um, so... You know, and I think that people need to look at this from the standpoint um, that someone you love may require abortion care at some point in their life. Um, this affects potentially so many people, 
and it is absolutely imperative that we maintain safe, legal access to abortion in the state of Minnesota. And right now, Minnesota is also um, going to be the only state nearby that provides abortion care for many, many people. So, um, so we're really fighting for our region. Absolutely. And the challenge of that also is I think there is an idea that it's just uh, un <laughs> women who haven't gotten married and made a mistake. Well, if that's it, that's fine. That still is their decision. But there, it also impacts a lot of other women who have tough decisions to make and their life is on the line. Yeah. It, it, it breaks my heart that we lump all of it into a moral judgment versus what the needs are of someone's health. Can I just say one more yes. thing? I, um, why someone chooses to get an abortion is absolutely nobody's business. Yeah. And what has been so heartbreaking, however, is that women in particular have felt the need to share their traumatic stories to, to show people why this is so to important. Justify. And people should not have to parade their trauma. Well, it, it re-traumatizes. And, but they're doing it to be brave and to say, this is why it's important. And I send kudos to all the women who have stood up and said this is important and why it's important. Uh, Patty. Well, I will just, you know, share many of the the, issue, the thoughts that have already been shared. But I think this is such a deeply personal decision that should be between a person and their doctor. And um, uh, as a political official or as an elected official, I should have no voice in that conversation. And so the fact that um, we're having to do this today is um, in 2022 that we're re rehashing this is, is frightening. Seventy percent of Minnesotans support having access to abortion. And yet, um, as a, a sitting, legislat sitting legislator, we have had to um, quash bills or amendments that have tried to restrict access to abortion. So if we think that just because it is um, currently available in Minnesota that it's going to stay that way, that's just absolutely not true. If the Republicans have control of the legislature and um, the governor's office, it absolutely access um, will be limited and there will be restrictions beyond um, what we have today. And so when I'm talked to, when I'm out knocking on doors and talking to um, oftentimes Republican women, they're surprised that we are at this place today. How did this happen? And as you know, Bonnie pointed out earlier, this has been a strategy that has been um, well thought out and long planned. And um, we, we also know they're not going to stop here. There are other um, other rights that they are looking to, to take at, you know, to um, take away at as well. So um, uh, this is worth protecting. This is worth fighting for. And I will continue to do that as a state legislator. I think some women feel uncomfortable talking about it. Absolutely. Because it is a divisive issue and it is a heartfelt issue. Uh, I personally believe nobody wants to have an abortion. They, they have choices that allow them to make their life possible. And it, it is heart-wrenching, and it's not something that we should judge, and it's not something that we should take away. Uh, everyone should have the right to pursue their life, liberty, and happiness. Um, and it, it is their choice. The, the challenge, I think, that, that we face, because a lot of people don't want to talk about it, is I don't know if we really know how many women are empowered to go out and make the vote on this. I don't think the polls are showing how strong 
many people feel about this. Uh, I know where my voice reaches. If there's a woman out there, you know in your heart of hearts that everyone should have their own choice. If your choice is not to have an abortion, that is your choice. But to take away that right from another woman who you don't know what their their circumstances are, what they can afford, what they can do, what their health is, uh, is unconscionable. And I will just put it out there. Uh, we need to support women and we need to support the choices they make. When you are in office, what will you do to help make that happen? What specifically do you want to do to assure that women have that choice? And I will start with you, Patty. Oh, golly. Yeah. Um, well, I will continue to, um, to support and pre- prevent, honestly, um, restrictions being added. And there are amendments that are brought up in committee as well as on the House floor um, every year that have tried, and we have been very successful in preventing them from being added on. So I will, um, we have access today, and I'm mm-hmm. proud that we do, and I will continue to support that, and I will prevent restrictions from being added. Caitlin, what will you do, and what do you suggest women do? to help support this? Well, I would definitely support um, codifying the right to make our own medical decisions into our constitution so that it's protected no matter what medical choice we're talking about. Um, and I think not just women, but you know, everyone knows someone who is affected by this issue. And so I think everyone needs to stand up and say, we do not support the government intervening in our med- medical decisions. They need to talk to their current representatives and they need to show up on election day and vote. And Bonnie. Yeah, and I, we actually do have some restrictions on access to abortion in our state, and I think that um, you know we would look at trying to overturn some of those. It is absolutely imperative that every woman uh, or person who needs access to abortion care has a right to it. I'm going to move us down to education, and thank you for each of your hard work um, that you will be doing to help make this possible for us. Public education. We've had a challenging uh, last few years, especially with COVID. Uh, some students feel set back. Uh, the, we're in a different place trying to figure out how do we move forward with education. And I'd love to have us talk about the preschool, technical education, and higher education. Um, and Representative Acom, I'll have you start first and tell us a little bit about your feelings about preschool. Well, um, first I will just say public dollars should go to public schools, and um, that's something I feel very strongly about. And when we talk about preschool, we know full well that every dollar invested in preschool will pay dividends down the road, saving $16 in costs um, down the road. And so, so important that we invest in preschool. And I will say, when my children were born, we lived in northern Minnesota in a rural community, and um, our kids participated in early childhood family education through our public school district. And through that, um, issues that my kids had around speech and even vision issues were caught early and um, addressed through um, early childhood education. And so there is just so many ways that these programs can help benefit our families and um, our children long term. So I'm a firm believer that we need to invest um, strongly in um, preschool and early childhood education. Caitlin, I know you feel very strongly about technical education. Yeah, I'm here where I am today because of my own uh, technical education in high school. Um, 
what we're seeing now is a workforce shortage across the economy, but especially in the skilled trades, so plumbing, electricians. Um, and part of it's not because there's not a demand for these jobs, um, but because we are closing programs at the post-secondary level because kids in high school don't know that these are great jobs for them to go into. Um, and so because of lack of enrollment, we're closing it at the college level, which further reduces the pathways into these careers. So I would strongly support um, getting our CTE programs back into our high schools and even requiring it as every student should be exposed to this and take a class in CTE before they graduate. Bonnie, I know that it's very important for you for higher education. Absolutely. So I was a single parent. My mother was a single parent. We didn't have a lot of resources. I put myself through school primarily through student loans. I graduated with 100000 in student loans at 9% interest in 1995. Um, and so I'm very familiar with the, the challenges faced by our young people and by um, non-traditional students going back to school to try to make a better life for themselves and their kids. There was a time, as I understand it, that we shot for having families be responsible for about a third of the cost and uh, the, the educational institution for about two-thirds of the cost. We've actually flipped that. So we have to make it affordable. Um, we should be providing incentives for people to go into education, um, for people to go into STEM um, uh, jobs, and so on. And we can do that by making sure not only that it's affordable, but providing loan forgiveness. We are seeing teachers um, leave the profession, our nurses. Uh, we need to be incentivizing people to go into the healthcare field. And again, the impediment often for folks is that it's unaffordable. So we absolutely have to make sure we are investing in our higher education so that people are not burdened with um, loans for the rest of their life. And education really elevates a community. It allows the possibilities. It allows for opportunity. Um, so thank you. Thank you for each of you sharing your insights, your strengths, your passions. Uh, and we will be right back. Um, after a few short announcements, I do want to do a special thank you. This show was paid for by Congressional District 3DFL to bring these insightful, smart women uh, with leadership ideas that'll make a difference. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we have had a wonderful conversation with uh, state representatives or folks running for state representatives, and will soon be, in my mind, our new state representatives uh, for dis various districts. Uh, representative Patty Acom has been our representative and is now running for District 45B. Uh, we have Bonnie Westlin, who's running for District 42, and we have Caitlin Cahill running for District 37A. I do want to do a special thank you that this show was paid for by the Congressional District 3 DFL. I'm going to have you go around and once again share where communities you will be the state representatives when we vote you in. I want you all to listen for those communities and think about people you know. It might be yourself that live in there. If not, think of folks that you can give a call to and say, hey, heard these gals on the radio. They are wonderful. They're smart. They're good leaders, and we want them um, as our state representatives. We'll start with Representative Patty Acom. Thanks, Lori. I'll be representing Northern Minnetonka, Wyzetta, Woodland, Deep Haven, and a little bit of Shorewood. Bonnie Weslin. Uh, Senate District 42, which is Plymouth, Southwest Maple Grove, and uh, Medicine Lake. 
And Caitlin, I know it's a long one. Caitlin Kale, <laughs> give us a list of all Test of them. every time. No, yep. uh, Western Hennepin, which is uh, Western Maple Grove down through Medina, Loretto, Independence, Maple Plain, Greenfield, and Corcoran. We've had a great conversation today on the economy, on public safety, on reproductive rights, on education. If you've missed and you just joined us, you can go back and actually listen to the full podcast by going to am950radio.com. We're going to have a conversation about climate now, uh, something that our world is changing. And if we don't figure out how to fix it, we won't have a world uh, anymore. So this is powerful stuff and important for us to be thinking about and have good leaders that can help make a difference. I'm going to start this conversation on our climate with Representative Acom. Well, thanks, Lori. I do think this is one of um, the a really important issue and one I'm passionate about for sure. As I said, my background is in natural resources, and so climate change certainly impacts that. And um, I am chair of the House Climate Action Caucus in um, the legislature, and so this is an issue that I work on quite a bit at the legislature. And I will start out by saying that, you know, Minnesotans value our environment, and um, that has been proven time and again by their willingness to even tax themselves and pass referendums to invest in protecting our environment. And um, as we, I, I've lived in Minnesota all my life, and I'm not a spring chicken, so it's been a, it's been a while. And um, I, we can see our weather changing before our very eyes. Um, and Minnesota happens to be the state whose winters are warming quicker than any state in the lower 48. And that's problematic to our environment. That impacts our wildlife, our lakes. Um, if we don't change what we're doing, uh, loons will no longer be able to um, reproduce in Minnesota. They will fly through and keep on going toward Canada. And so. Um, I know these are things that Minnesotans value, and there are, we, there are strategies that we know can help. And there are strategies that have multiple benefits, like um, renewable energy, for example, is a great way that not only can we um, use less carbon um, and fossil fuels, but it can save money. We can put um, solar on school buildings, and it can save schools money that they can put back into the classroom. And so um, there are so many strategies. That's just one that can that can provide multiple benefits, and I, I can go on. I could talk about this all day. I, I love your passion, and I'm with you completely. We we need to make sure that that we have the beauty of Minnesota that we've always cherished. Caitlin, I look at you, and I look to the future. I know this is important to you. Yep. We know that one of the most important things we can do um, to prevent climate change is to work on reducing emissions. And the biggest thing we can do is through transportation. But we also have to make sure as we transition to electric vehicles that that electricity that's powering these vehicles is also clean and also through renewable energy. Um, We actually have a lot of renewable energy here in Minnesota. Um, Over 50% of our energy is clean and about half, over half of that is from renewables. The problem is our power grid is not up to standard. Um, So we actually have wind farms in southern Minnesota that have to power down because they're producing too much electricity. So this myth that, oh, when the sun (laughs) doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow, we don't have electricity. We actually have more than we can use. Uh Um, So we've got to get our power grid um, up to standard so we can use this renewable. How we can utilize the power that we have. Exactly. Bonnie. So I know Representative Acom and Representative uh, Jamie Long both work tirelessly on this issue, and I know this last session because I sat in on a, a, a meeting where you you both talked about what you were trying to do in the legislature. Again, this is another case where good bills go to buy, die in the Senate, um, and it included th- this idea that we should have a climate master plan. I remember you guys talking about that, that we look into... Um, the changing climate, that we have a roadmap for our future and what we need to do. 
We know that the drought that we're experiencing in our state is a result of climate change. So we need to be focusing on how to support um, our family farms and uh, how we can help them farm in sustainable ways. Um, so, you know, we need to look at transitioning to EVs, but we need to make sure we're building the infrastructure to support that. So new um, buildings, especially multi-unit um, housing, should have built-in EV charging stations and so on. And we want to incentivize people to do this by providing tax credits and so on. And so, I mean, there's so much that we can do, and I actually look forward uh, to working with Representative Acom and Representative Long in the House and um, our, our colleagues in the Senate to finally do something about these issues. I am inspired, and I am looking forward to having some change happen uh, and, and taking our climate seriously. It's not that it hasn't been taken seriously, but I think we've just dragged our feet a little too long, and it's time to step to the plate and make some difference. We're coming to the end of the, cl of the show. What I'd love to do now is just to have each of you share asking for the vote and why you think it's important and letting folks know their responsibility in the vote and how their vote can make a difference in the world that we want to build. Um, I am going to start um, with Bonnie. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here today to share our messages um, to your broader audience. Uh, you Every year we say it's the most important election of your lifetime, and I'm fond of saying the last most important election of our lifetime was 2016, and that one we did not get right. It is absolutely imperative every single person turn out to vote in this midterm election. If we turn out our voters, we will make sure that we retain the governor's uh, office. We will reelect um, Steve Simon, one of the best secretaries of state in the entire country. We will reelect Keith Ellison, who has done a fine job for the people of this state. We will reelect Julie Blaha, again, who has been an incredible auditor. Um, and we need to provide our governor with a legislature that will support um, the people of the state and moving us forward instead of backwards. Caitlin Cahill. I would really just um, encourage people to look beyond party this year. You know, as a city council member, I've been blessed to be able to experience what can happen when we are nonpartisan. So look at people, well, they represent people, not corporations, not PACs, not special interests. And so vote for those people who represent you. And Representative Acom. Well, thank you. I just think there is so much at stake, as Bonnie um, so eloquently um, put out. I, I think there's, we need to go out and vote, and we need to use our our Vote as our voice to ensure that we protect our reproductive rights and that we protect our election security and that we protect our climate and our environment. There are so many things at stake. So um, I encourage people to go out and vote. And early voting has started now. So um, you can go out and vote today. Well, maybe not on Saturday. Um, I think that on Monday you can. And then or election day at your polling place. But um, I encourage people to get out and use their voice this year. So often we see the midterms being not as active um, because of the spotlight with the president. Uh, we need to be as active or more active in this midterm. Uh, we need to be able to hold on to our, our, um, our good democracy, <laughs> that, and democracy is at stake. And the Democrats are putting forth good arguments to make a difference in, as we've talked about, the economy when it comes to public safety, when it comes to our reproductive rights, for education, and for climate. 
So thank you for your time today and listening in and being a part of the conversation. Uh, We've got an exciting 11 days. We started off the show talking about door knocking. Trust me, these women will be out and continuing (laughs) to do their door knocking. Open the door for them. Talk to them. Have a good conversation and invite others to have a conversation with you. This is the time that we need to exercise our rights and responsibility and get out the vote. You're part of the democracy. Keep it for us all.